The Chris Sheeran Show, only on YesNetwork.com. Hey, everyone. Welcome to The Chris Sheeran Show podcast on YesNetwork.com and iTunes. It's at Lou DiPietro, yes, and at Chris Sheeran, yes, on the Twitter machine. And joining us once again, joined us before the season started. He's going to join us once again now to talk a little Giants football. He has an easy pass to cross the troll bridges of Twitter. He is Art Stapleton. What's up, buddy? What's up, fellas? How are you? <laughs> I like that. The easy pass to cross the troll bridges. Oh my of Twitter. god! If you if you follow Art, and you should, especially if you're a Giant fan, the <laughs> the vitriol that he has to deal with, <laughs> and that he just goes through like nothing. He he's he's one guy. Like, who will get at mentions, and he just won't care. Like, the sarcasm goes right back, and he's on to the next troll. It's amazing, and I really respect you for that, buddy. Well, well, thank you. But, uh, you know, it, sometimes I, I, you know, you wonder why, why some people on the beat don't like going back and forth with the fans, but all you have to do is spend an afternoon after a Giants loss like they, want, they had against the Eagles on Monday night, and you realize that, you know, look, some fans use Twitter, uh, you know, they can't be in the bar, they can't be right across from you in a, in a workroom, so they, they want to just use it and get their frustration. Uh, you know, look, I could, I could ignore it and not pay attention, and some of it has to be done, but for the most part, I enjoy the interaction, that's why I like social media, and, you know... You take the good with the bad, I guess. That, it, that's the best way I could put it. It, it seems like you do. Yeah, it's and a quasi-live action audience. Yes, almost. it is. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, it, it truly does bring out the uh, fanatic in the fan, uh, for sure. Especially... No doubt. Yeah, especially with this latest loss. Can I, can I give you well, one last piece of vitriol? Yeah, 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 go ahead. At least the Giants scored in Lincoln Financial Field this time. Thanks. That Lou. is true. You're welcome. They, they did. They yeah. could have scored more. Uh, but yeah, let's uh, well, let, here nor there. Let's hang our hats on that, Lou. Thanks. Hey, the first three <laughs> minutes was a great. Yeah, I'll stop there. Uh, now, all right, okay. all right. Uh, let me... I can't gloat. The Eagles looked like crap that game too. Yeah, that's where I wanted to start. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Eagles should have won that game fifty to seven. I mean, the way the Giants couldn't get anything going on offense, Art uh, and Sam Bradford just you know it reminded me of. The Bugs Bunny cartoon when Yosemite Sam was like chasing after him, and Bugs Bunny throws down uh, like saws and tools to the lions to chop down Yosemite Sam's stilts. That was Sam Bradford all night long for the Eagles, just you know trying to get the Giants back into this game. It was just an it was an ugly game on both sides. Yeah, it was. You know what? I mean, you could make that argument certainly after the the first nine minutes and change of the game that. The Eagles controlled it and really did what they wanted. Uh, you know, if you had stopped the game at around nine minutes to go, you, you would have in the first quarter, you would have said, "What? Did the Giants win by by three touchdowns or four touchdowns?" Mm-hmm. I mean, it was that easy. Uh, you know, and we haven't had the opportunity to to meet with the coordinators yet. Uh, but you know, the questions for the Giants' offense is how could something go so smoothly? Uh, over the first two series, and then once Larry Donnell had the ball taken from him uh, by D'Amico Ryans, it, it was almost like the Giants forgot how to play football for about another two and a half quarters. You know that that was the problem. Uh, you know, I I threw out this idea that you know why is it happening? Well, you have a second year offensive coordinator who, for the first fifteen plays, that's usually what teams do as far as scripting their plays and how they want the games to go. Uh, they were phenomenal. You know, the Giants went up and down the field with double tight ends. Will Ty, the rookie, making catch after catch. Uh, and all of a sudden you look and you go, man, they really found something and they, they dominated. You know, sometimes the hardest thing to do in the NFL, especially when you have inexperience, is adjust on the fly. And I think the Eagles adjusted and the Giants never did. And I think that comes down to players on the field. You know, Giants put a lot on Eli Manning in a game. And if he doesn't have his best game and he's under constant duress, which is what happened against Philly, I think you're going to see something like that happen. And, and that's what happened. I mean, how can the best defensive line on paper in the NFL in the Buffalo Bills could barely touch Eli Manning? That was partly the, the way the front line played, partly the way they performed, the game plan was excellent, and they never touched him. And then you go into Philly and it, it was a jailbreak. So how does that happen? The Giants have to figure out 
what they did well in Buffalo and what they went away from against Philly. From just from my perspective, being being an Eagles fan, Art, if you wanted to put together a low light tape of Marshall Newhouse, you could just show this <laughs> entire game. That that was pretty much the answer, you know, to, to your question there. But but here's what I wanted to ask about the offense. Now I got out of the shower three minutes into the game on Monday night, saw the Giants were already in scoring position, saw these who are just put my head down and went, oh, here we go. And then, like you said, once Larry Donnell had the ball taken away from him, it, it seemed to just kind of go downhill. Carroll's pick six sent it further down the hill. But my question is, in the second half of that game, how do you look at Odell Beckham once, knowing he's your only offensive weapon at that point? It's the most important question that the Giants have to answer this week. Uh, Tom Coughlin was asked about it, uh, and he said, you know, the idea is to get your other guys to step up, whether it's a play or two here or there, and then things should open back up for Odell. Uh, I'm of the belief that players make plays in this league, and when you have a playmaker as talented as Odell Beckham Jr., uh, sometimes you have to force it to him. You know, if you're forcing a, a, a sideline out route, to Dwayne Harris, so he gets picked for, for a touchdown. You know what? I'd rather force a, force a ball to Odell Beckham and hope that he makes a ridiculous catch, and then all of a sudden I'm down the field and I have a chance to score a touchdown. So I completely agree. Targeted once in the second half. And, look, Chip Kelly admitted that, you know, they were doubling Beckham every chance they got when they came out of halftime, and they adjusted well. But after you have to change things if you're the Giants. You have to start running different routes. You have to start getting guys open quicker. You know, it was obvious that this offensive line was on its heels. you got to do things to help them uh, kind of get the momentum back. And the Giants were never able to stop that snowball from rolling down the hill. I, I want to preface this, uh, Art, by saying I, I lived through the Dave Brown years. Um, <laughs> don't really remember Scott Bruner too well, but my dad tells me all about him and Ali Sherman and way back when, but, and this is why I like Eli Manning as my quarterback. I've seen the bottom of the barrel. Eli Manning is not the bottom of the barrel and he does take a lot of heat, uh, for games like this. Now he was under duress, but the thing that I just cannot stop my head from shaking with, with him is when he is under duress, he is going to get sacked and he will underhand the ball or he will throw the ball directly into Connor Barwin's chest and it won't get intercepted, thankfully. But it's those decisions that, this, that he makes like that when he's under pressure that to this day he still looks like a rookie quarterback. I just don't get it. Well, you know, I, I agree with you, Chris. I, I, I look at those plays and you say, you know, you, everyone jokes about the Manning face and, and you know, the mistakes <laughs> that Eli makes. Uh, I will give you the flip side, and this is not a defense of Eli Manning. So, again, going back to Twitter, if I tweeted this, people would say, stop defending Eli Manning. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. But go ahead. No, 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 no. But but my point is that the guy has played, what is it, 180 games in a row now? Started 180 games in a row now. Uh, You know, he's just saying that he's avoiding taking the brunt of a hit in that situation. Now, granted, the penalty is killing them. It's a killer when you get an intentional grounding penalty. But the opposite approach is to hold the ball and take a sack. And we've seen in this league that a quarterback takes a hit, the wrong hit, Tony Romo against the Eagles in week two, that bad things happen when quarterbacks hit the ground. So I, I will, in, in one sense, I will say to you 100%, these mistakes cannot keep happening with Eli Manning. But at this point, you know, some of these mistakes could be preserving Eli Manning for the following week by avoiding the kind of hit that, you know, you, you go down to the ground and you twist the knee or you get an ankle caught up underneath somebody, you know, an offensive lineman trying to get in at the last second and avoid the hit. If you land on your shoulder wrong. That's fair. So these are things that, 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 you know, that we don't bring up because they sound like you're defending a guy who just, committed a 15-yard penalty that killed the drive. Oh, that's a fair point. But these are things that, that really preserve Eli Manning's streak. And the streak is more about it's more about current and what he's doing to this team. I mean, could you imagine if Eli Manning gets hurt and now all of a sudden the Giants are going the rest of the season with Ryan Nassib at quarterback? 
Nope. I've seen that before. I've seen that before, and I don't like the way that movie ends. I think, you know, I think what you just spoke to, Art, the, the, the living embodiment of that for even Eli Manning is that high ankle sprain in week 17 in Washington a couple years ago. Right. Where he where he just you know bent the wrong way and it could have been a lot worse, but luckily it was only you know only that and they were done, so it wasn't really like a I don't want to say it wasn't a major injury, but you know he missed half of a football game and and that was it. Life went on. The well, thing Eli has proven Eli has proven in this league that go back to the 2011 NFC Championship game that when oh when he, the got, game destroyed. Was on the line and he it's got destroyed he got destroyed playoff game. I mean he took the worst. San Francisco, yeah, quarterback taken. That was a fifteen-round fight that he did that he went through in that game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and the idea that you know he proved that he was willing to stand in there and take those shots. I mean, you're a game from the Super Bowl. You're willing to absorb those hits uh, in this game. Do some of those plays counterbalance his physical nature? I, I, I would have to think that that it's some way along the line, and they have saved him an injury or two down the line. Uh, I saw you tweet out a little earlier, um, Will Beatty, uh, practice for the second straight day. How, how, how close is he, do you think, Art? I'm guessing a couple weeks. Uh, they have a 21-day window in which he has to be added uh, to the active roster, which would mean they would have to cut someone uh, to put him on the roster. You know, Giants aren't in full pads this week. Uh, I assume part of that is because of the Monday night game. Uh, you know, so Beatty's out there and he's working during individual drills, which is really just uh, one offensive lineman against the other. One guy holds the bag, and you know you're working on your 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 steps and your moves. But he's not into team drills yet. I mean, this is a guy who hasn't practiced in pads uh, since last season. So I think at least a couple weeks away from Beatty, and and at this point, you know, they they're going to wait and see where he fits in on this line. You know, do you want to put Will Beatty at right tackle and replace Marshall Newhouse? Well, performance would say yes, but that performance is on Newhouse. You know, I don't know how Beatty will handle right tackle. You know, we've seen Will Beatty at left tackle, and we've seen Will Beatty as a extra blocker, jumbo tight end. Uh, I think if he gets back and when he gets activated, I don't think they put him right back into the starting lineup. I would not move Eric Flowers. You know, the kid is six games into his NFL career, and for all the, the flaws that he has shown against speed rushers, and it was not a good game for him in Philly, uh, the reality is this is your future left tackle. And if you start moving flowers around, unless you truly believe that he can play right tackle and be a dominant force there, uh, I see no reason to move flowers from left to right tackle. So that would be to get baby acclimated by playing as the extra blocker, and then when he's ready to go, if he can play right tackle, I put him in for Newhouse. But I, I think Baby will end up on the active roster, but I would not expect to see Baby uh, in a game uh, until maybe maybe three weeks from now. I think it's uh, they go go to New Orleans on Halloween weekend after Dallas, and then uh, if I'm not mistaken, it's a trip to Tampa, and then they have a home game here. Uh, I would think. I would think by that home game here, Will Beatty will be a factor for the Giants' offense. But until then, it would surprise me. All right, and I'm glad you brought up Eric Flowers, too, because from the minute this guy was uh, drafted by the Giants, Tom Coughlin basically fell in love with this kid. Now, he, he sprains his ankle. Uh, he wants to play. He didn't play that one week. He comes back. He he seems to me, are, and you, you correct me if I'm wrong, you're around this team, you're around the coaches, you tell me. It just seems like this guy is a New York Giant. Like he has that mindset of an old school New York Giant, and he had that um, little get together with the offense in, in, in yeah. down in Philly. I mean, like you said, this is his sixth game. So for him to be taking the bull by the horns in the sixth game of his NFL career and being able to do that with veterans all around him, I think this kid has a bright future. He's an impressive competitor and he's got that attitude that you want in an offensive lineman you know uh, he uh he is a you know you make a bad play he doesn't care he moves on to the next one kind of guy uh and i think that's what you want you know the giants foundation for for whenever you know it's funny and in, in, in the aftermath of a loss everyone always wants to jump on the general manager and the owner and the coach and this player doesn't do that and this player is not good 
the, the reality is that there are guys on this team that are desperate to win. They are great competitors. They're fiery. You know, Odell Beckham Jr., a lot of people saw that in last year, that fire. You know, that fire burns bright with flowers, uh, with Kennard, with Richburg, with Pugh, with Landon Collins. I mean, these are guys, this is your foundation. Three years from now, when you're talking about the New York Giants, you know, these are the guys that you need to be the, the Sneeze and the, the Coomers and the Knicks and the Cruises and, you know, the Dave Deals and, you know, everyone looks at the foundation pieces and says, well, this team has a long way to go. Well, they have a long way to go to get that seasoning. But I do think that the pieces are there, uh, that this team really has some young talent on it. Uh, it's just a matter of going through the growing pains. And right now the growing pains are not fun for Giants fans. They haven't been in the playoffs in three years. You know, and there's a lot of pressure on, on this coaching staff and, you know, this quarterback to, to get back there and to kind of restore a little bit of their legacy after back-to-back losing season. So uh, I think Flowers kind of emulates what this team wants to be up front, but I do think it's Flowers and Pew and Richburg, those three cornerstones uh, up front that eventually, you know, they hope by the end of this year, you're looking at their offensive line saying, you know what, we're, we're a lot better off where, than where we were two years ago. <laughs> and I think those guys really... That, that moment up on the night football really showed that, you know, Flowers, six games into his career, is all ready to, to whip guys into shape and to kind of compete. Uh, and that fire has kind of been missing the last I like it. Years. Yeah, exactly. Landon Collins with that pick in the end zone, too. I mean, that, yeah. you know, that was, yep. that was a huge play. The question I have is this. This was a game that the phrase winning cures all ills certainly seems to be indicated by this. Both of these teams could be sitting here today at five and one. Yeah. After right. this game. And yet they're both three and three and tied for the division lead. You know, a little bit of a little bit of a slump on one end and a two game winning streak on the Eagles end. But this is an NFC East where the Dallas Cowboys are missing their two biggest weapons. The Giants are incomplete. The Eagles are incomplete. The Redskins are a Kirk Cousins interception away from their season going down the drain. There's still a lot of hope. I mean, the Cubs won 97 games this year with the pieces in place and just no seasoning. There's still still a lot of room to do a lot of damage on, for any of these teams in the NFC East. Yeah, I agree. I mean, uh, and you, you look at the way Monday night ended and everything was kind of there on a silver platter. But, you know, you guys know, if you're, like I said, I, I mean, I've been pretty vocal the last couple weeks about how going into this back-to-back, the Eagles and the Cowboys, that if the Giants got a split, they needed to beat the Cowboys because you don't want to get swept by the Cowboys again in this division, knowing what the Cowboys have coming later in the year. Dez probably within a couple weeks, Romo after Thanksgiving. But the reality is if the Giants come out and beat the Cowboys at home, sure, tall task, but they have been beat on opening night with Romo and Dez Bryant in the lineup. And now you look at it. Eagles are going to Carolina, which right. is undefeated, yep. on a short week. You know, we could be sitting here next Monday talking about how, boy, how great of a comeback for the Giants it is. They're in first place in the division, and now they've got a game lead on the Eagles, and they've split with the Cowboys. Here we go. Now they're heading down to New Orleans for an opportunity to extend their lead. As, so, lo- as long this as. This is a week to week lead. As long as Matt Castle doesn't end up looking like Roger Staubach. <laughs> Well, he will. I mean, there will be moments in this game where the Giants will give up plays. I mean, they're compensating defensively for the loss of some players. I think Spagnuolo... I should get Devon Carr. I'm sorry, go ahead. I think Steve Spagnuolo is doing a hell of a job. With, with uh, With the personnel he has, I mean, he's taking Swiss cheese and making pretty much a, a block of American cheese with it. He's filling up holes everywhere. He's do, it's No, I'm serious. It's like a magic trick with this defense. It's like, don't look over here or look over here. It's like, well, let, let me go Star Wars. He is the Jedi mind trick defense this year. I mean, if you want to put a hashtag on something, I mean, the Giants were one of the most picked up defenses a couple weeks ago in my fantasy league. Uh, right, but I just the guy. He, I'm going to say it. He's a genius for what he has and what he has to deal with with the 
injuries. Spagnuolo is doing a tremendous job. I didn't want to. I didn't want to come out and have that like asinine comment about Matt Castle being stallback without saying that I think Spagnuolo is doing a great job. Well, these if it's this is not the pass rush you're looking for. Oh, Art, that's why I love you. <laughs> in this league, the, the, the way to close games is to get after the quarterback. And the great Giants teams of 2007 and 2011 would close games against great quarterbacks with the pass rush. And they've yet to be able to do that. They don't have their... You know, on paper, best pass rusher is Jason Pierre-Paul. Uh, I don't believe he will be back anytime soon, despite what reports are saying about him coming and visiting and getting checked out physically. Guys, this comes down to money, and until they can agree on a price tag for JPP to come back and even show that he might be able to play, I don't think it's happening. Uh, they lost a big piece of Devon Kennard who should be able to get back on the field against the Cowboys, he should help in the pass rush. But if you can't put the quarterback on his back in the fourth quarter of this of these games in this league, teams are going to score points on you. It's going to happen. So I think that's the, the biggest problem for Spagnuolo's defense is that if they don't get a turnover and they don't get a sack, they give up a touchdown. And, and that is where you're at right now. That is the... The difference between winning teams and losing teams in this league is getting offenses off the field. And if you can't get the offense off the field, you can't win games late. And I think that's the problem with the Giants right now. And I think in order to do that, they're going to get, you know, they're going to need some players to start making plays. Uh, and that really starts against the Cowboys, against an offensive line that the Cowboys tried out there, that their number one goal is, don't let the quarterback get touched. So you need to get, you need to confuse Matt Castle on Sunday, and you need to force him into mistakes. Because if you if he doesn't make mistakes, you can't count on your defensive front to get past this offensive line of the Cowboys and put Castle on his back. I just don't see it happening. To to switch gears a little bit, Art. If, if to paraphrase some things, if, if the best defense is a good offense, or vice versa. Speaking of the Giants' offense, we've talked about the receivers, but. Where do they stand so far going into this Sunday with Victor Cruz, Ruben Randall, and, and the rest of the core that's that's right now Odell Beckham and a bunch of guys? Well, I mean, and that's kind of what it is. You know, you're not going to see Cruz this week against the Cowboys. He's still not clear to practice. He's doing more uh, outside work that, than what he has been doing. I did uh, enjoy the Jugs Machine video you posted on Twitter. Thank you for that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, Look, Cruz does a lot of stuff when we're not around. You know, that that's the other thing. It's kind of unfair sometimes to some of these guys that, you know, when, when the media has their 20 to 25-minute uh, open access to the practice, you know, it's usually in the best interest of the team to not show us anything. You know, so the, the reality is, you know, Victor Cruz has been working the last couple of weeks indoors, in the uh, underwater treadmill. You know, they, there are things that they're doing to get him back. He's not just sitting around, despite what some people want you to believe, he's not just sitting around promoting his, his documentary that's coming up at the end of the month and going on Jimmy Fallon and just waiting for the Giants to say, okay, you can practice, and now he can start playing football again. Uh, so, you know, but I, don't, I, I think to answer your question, Lou, just the idea of this, uh, this, this offense and these wide receivers, I mean, they need Ruben Randall to make plays. They need Dwayne Harris to make plays. They need Larry Donnell to catch the football instead of allowing a defender to pull it away from him. You know, in a span of a week, Larry Donnell went from being celebrated for a remarkable catch in the end zone that won him the game against the 49ers to ridiculed and saying, can't play in this league because, look, he makes another mistake and he doesn't yeah. catch a pass up the sideline that kills a drive. You know, so... This inconsistency, again, we talked earlier about the growing pains. They have to deal with these growing pains. They're not bringing in a tight end. You know, Vernon Davis isn't trotting on the field next week. You know, <laughs> you know, Michael Finley is retired. He's not coming here. You know, as much as some Giants fans would love to trade for Martellus Bennett with Chicago, that's not happening. So you've got to find ways to win games, you know, piecing things together until you get your team back 
that what you hope to have. And, and Cruz is a huge missing piece to this puzzle, but it doesn't mean they can't win games until he's healthy. And look, it's been six games. He plays 16. If Victor Cruz can get back and play six, seven games towards the end of the year, and you can still be in this hunt. And this division doesn't look yeah. like it's running away from and, anyone. And you get Beatty back and, you know, hey, away you go. If you beat the Cowboys right. this week, like you said, and you split with them and things start to come together, it, the Giants proved that in 2007. I mean, it was the end of the year that they put everything together and just went on that ridiculous run and derailed history uh, with the Patriots. Right. So you're right. Anything is possible and by the way james jones just scored another touchdown uh just wanted to bring that up for giant fans as well but on a series i would i would not have i would not have released james jones (laughs) preston parker uh yeah that didn't turn out to be a great decision that didn't work out but on a serious on a serious note art um we're seeing the reports that daniel fells is is home uh what's the latest you could tell us on his condition and, and what does his prognosis look like uh, well, he's home, and you know, and I, I urge your listeners to, uh, if you haven't seen the video already, Daniel Fells himself posted the surprise video of him returning home and greeting his kids uh, in his house, and he posted the video uh, yesterday when he returned home, and it, it's pretty special. And I would keep the uh, keep the Kleenex near you because the room will get awfully dusty if you watch that video of Daniel Fells. But you know, look at. The, the optimism is there with Fells. They seem to believe that they have the MRSA infection under control. Uh, you know, I, I don't know what it means for the rest of his football career, but you know, you, you are talking about a, a football player who was out of the league two years ago because of his age and his performance. So that's secondary at this point. Right, it's his and, life, you know, exactly. He's going to receive, he's going to receive in-home care, uh, you know, steady dose of antibiotics. I would imagine they're hoping that they can get to a point where they can uh, rid his entire body of the MRSA infection, and then maybe he gets back to his daily life, and you can make whatever you know, projections you'd like to do about where he goes from here. But uh, as far as I understand it, you know, they were able to, to preserve his foot uh, to this point. Uh, any reports uh, were inaccurate as far as him losing a foot. Now, granted, there's been a ton of work on his foot to rid his his body of the infections contain it. Uh, so, you know, without knowing specific details, you just have to imagine that there is some damage to his foot, uh, but certainly not the, uh, not the worst-case scenario at this point that was painted uh, just a couple of weeks ago. So, again, everybody feels good about Daniel Fells, and I do urge to, uh, to find that video that he posted himself uh, on his Instagram and on his Twitter account. Uh, I think it's Daniel Fells, 85. Uh, it, it was worth it if you guys haven't seen it. I would definitely check it out. Yeah, we, we do have that up on YesNetwork.com, as a matter of fact. Um, so it's really easy yeah, for everybody. Yeah, we, uh, we saw it yesterday, too, and, and said the same thing. It got a little dusty uh, down in the cubicles <laughs> uh, yesterday yeah. when we saw that. Um, Art, uh, listen, I, I hate asking for predictions. I, I really I can't stand it, but... I'm gonna I'm gonna do it anyway, uh, and you don't have to give me a score. Just what are your thoughts on on this weekend against the Cowboys? You know, I think if if Greg Hardy doesn't break uh, Eli Manning in half, <laughs> I expect a big effort from the Giants. I think you know they own one from the season opener. It's about time that the Giants finally uh, slay this Cowboys dragon that that really has owned them since Super Bowl Forty Six. You know, the yeah. Cowboys have really owned the Giants. Uh, the last couple seasons, you know, they even sort of beaten them back in 2012 when uh, Des Bryant had a fit, caught a touchdown at the end of the game and had a finger out of bounds on the last play, or else the Giants would have lost that game too. Oh wow! Uh, yeah. I think the defense will play well. I think they'll give up their share of points, but the Cowboys, other than their offensive line and their defensive line, I think the Cowboys are still a little bit of a mess because they they don't. You know, they, they don't really have that go-to, you know, the backs, you know, okay, you stop Joseph Randall. They're talking about giving Christine Michael more of a shot this week, former Seahawk. Uh, I, I think if the, if the Giants can, can block it up up front a little bit, follow a little of the game plan that they had in Buffalo, uh, I think they win this game. I really do. I think, uh, 
I think they kind of bury the Philly game a little bit, maybe change the narrative again in their season, which seems to go up and down, up and down, uh, like we're out at Coney Island uh, every, <laughs> every week in this league and in this division. So I think the, I think the Giants beat the Cowboys this weekend. All right, so, so according to Art, the Cyclone will be renamed the Giant. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds about right. Yeah, all right, buddy. Hey, listen, we always appreciate your time coming on. You're always a great guest, and uh, hopefully we can talk again later in the season when this thing starts to turn around big time. Sounds great, guys. Thanks for having me, and uh, I will talk to you soon. All right, Art. Take care, buddy. Okay. There he goes, Art Stapleton of the record, and uh, wow, just a great guest. He's just type in Art Stapleton to uh, your Twitter search bar and – Follow that guy if you're a Giant fan, because just the back and forth, like I said at the Even beginning. Even if you're not, I do. Yeah, yeah. Between him, well. I guess I sort of, yeah, it's part of my job. But just so. the back and forth. I do. Between him and, and the fans. And I, and I count myself as one of those fans that I was talking about. Don't think I'm excluding myself. From a that. lot like if you remember, if if you still follow Mark Carrig, who works for Newsday now, yes. he used to f- cover the Yankees for um, the Star Ledger. Does the same thing. Yeah. Very, very, very in tune with the fan base. Yes, he he answers everyone, mm-hmm. and uh, the fans kind they like him they a do. lot. They yeah, do. because Mark takes it. You yep. know, that's what you have to do on Twitter. You have to learn to take some criticism, take it in stride, and if it's too much or if it's over the top, there's a very, very good button on Twitter. It's called block. block. Something the Giants' offensive line needs to do this week. Mm-hmm. Hello, <laughs> welcome to the Marshall Newhouse show. <laughs> Format changes every play. Uh, I, look. Today on the Marshall Newhouse I, show, standing still. I'm usually not an optimistic Giant fan, but what Art said really puts the season into perspective. If you get a healthy Victor Cruz back, if Beckham could avoid a serious injury and Randall could come back healthy at 100%, you get your wide receivers back, then you bring Beatty into the fold. Then your offensive line gets plugged up a little bit. And I agree with them with Flowers. Leave Flowers at left tackle. Do not mess with that kid. He does make mistakes, but that's your anchor. That's yeah, your blind side. You need to protection. let him grow into that position let, right. rather than let that position grow into him, if you right. know what I mean. And again, just to reiterate, I am, I'm an Eli Manning guy. Look, does he, do, does he do some things that make me scratch my head and type out tweets and then promptly delete them? <laughs> Yes, before I send them, because the guy has two Super Bowl trophies. He's got two Super Bowl MVPs. You could talk all you want about the defenses in those games and how the defenses won those championships. But if Wes Welker catches a ball that's very catchable from Tom Brady, they don't win that second one. Okay, Eli Manning hits Mario Manningham down the sideline on a pass that nine times out of ten, you know, Pick the bottom 20 quarterbacks in the NFL, they're not doing it. They're not coming anywhere close to where Eli Manning put that ball. He deserves those MVPs. He deserves those two Super Bowl trophies. But when people start making the argument that Eli is elite, that's when I have a problem. Because an elite quarterback does not underhand the ball when he's gone, I, I, I get he, Art's point. He doesn't throw a ball directly into the butt of one of his offensive linemen when he's in trouble. Does, didn't that, didn't he look like a rookie? Yeah. Or the one that he threw that... I, I mean, am I wrong? No, I forget which lineman it was that caught it, but it bounced off one, and then another one caught it. It was Flowers. Was it Flowers? And yeah. then they got called for the illegal touching, which, right. you know, a couple of intentional grounding calls, one of which, I mean, the underhand, take the sack. The underhanded, and it's not the first time he's tried to do that. And I get Art's no. point to an extent... I mean, I didn't want to go back and forth and get into an argument because 80% of me thinks part of what he said, it's right. You know, Eli Manning, he doesn't want to get injured. He's played all these games in a row. He's pretty much an Iron Man. You brought up the high ankle sprain in the last game of the season against Washington where they weren't going into the mm-hmm. playoffs. He's been durable. He's been um, up and down. Uh, let's, let's be honest. But when this guy has an offensive line, and he did when they won those two Super Bowls and when he had Plaxico Burris and that offensive I'm, line. I'm not even a Giants fan, and I can still name that offensive line. That's how good and solid and Deal. together they O'Hara. O'Hara, McKenzie. Soybert. Soybert. I, I just... 
And Snee, obviously. And Snee, the son-in-law. How do we forget him? But anyway, when he has time, when he has an offensive line, Greg Hardy even said it. You cannot have Eli Manning looking down the field ever, ever, ever. He knows Eli will take, they'll pick you apart. Gruden said it on Monday night. If you give this guy time, he will pick you apart. It was right after that first drive. They went through the Eagles defense like a hot knife through butter and took the, took the air out of that stadium in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I said, I, I, I went to the gym after work that day. I ate dinner. I went, went and got in the shower. DVR'd, you know, DVR'd the game because I knew I was probably going to miss the first couple minutes. As I'm standing there putting my clothes on in my bedroom, I turn the game on, and they were on the 20-yard line three minutes in the game. I, like I said, I just put my head down and went, oh, I'm not even going to watch. I'm not even going to go back and watch the first five minutes of the game. And that was the highlight. That was it. I mean, once Donnell got the ball taken away, the Carroll pick six, and then down the water slide they go. <sighs> Look, <laughs> I, I can I can understand to a point too that you know Rashad Jennings isn't exactly Brian Westbrook, uh, and and the, the receivers are Odell Beckham and a bunch of guys. No, that, I think that Rash- would be fourth. I think receivers. Rashad Jennings is a great running back. I do. He just Andre Williams isn't. No, and, and here's why: Andre Williams is a great running back when there's a hole where it's supposed to be. There will be a cutback lane that he can get through, but instead he just runs right into the back of his offensive lineman. He runs where the hole is supposed to be. It's like watching the computer play Madden. Right. Rashad Jennings, if he sees a hole, if if there is one, he'll take it and he'll exploit it and he'll burst through there. And after he was benched after putting a ball on the ground, phrase for fumbling now, um... You saw the first couple runs he had after that. He was a man possessed yes. in the second half. Yes. And Gruden was all about Tom Coughlin and praising him for going right back to the guy. Him and Tarico had that back and he forth about should, it. He should, because Williams is not dynamic. <sighs> Jennings is dynamic, where he can cut back. Williams, who is a bruiser of a football player, don't get me wrong, was great at BC. Led the, led the nation in rushing. But college is very different. Especially when you're playing in the bottom half of the ACC. Yes. Uh, where I was going with that Westbrook comment, though, was I watched the Donovan McNabb era with Fred X and the Mitchells and the Nob Browns and those guys, Dante Stallworth and Kevin Curtis and all of these guys. Exactly. All of these guys outside of Terrell I mean, Terrell Owens was the best receiver the Eagles had in the McNabb era. And, like, if he cloned himself, he'd be the second best receiver they had in the McNabb era. <laughs> And and if he cut himself in half, he'd be the third and fourth best receivers they had in that. L.J. Smith wasn't that bad. Well, he's a tight end, so I'm I not know. counting him. But yeah, the, the Smith Chad Lewis combo was was a yeah, favorite. Chad Lewis wasn't he the one that uh, went sixty yards for a touchdown? Yeah, and then retired and unretired and no, no, no. He, he went. The Giants were up. He caught a touchdown, went sixty yards. Nobody could catch Curtis, and then yep, the Eagles come back and win the game. In the last eight minutes of the game, by yep. the way. And then there was the Deshaun Jackson punt return touchdown game. Yeah. And there, by Sekahema punching the... Beating up the goalposts. Yeah. There's, yeah. There's, there's a lot of them. Um, point being, though, is like I've seen... And you, whether, whether or not you think Donovan McNabb is an elite quarterback is up to you. But I've seen what a good to very good quarterback like Eli Manning, Donovan McNabb can do with a dynamic enough offense that to offset the fact that his wide receivers are a bunch of guys. Bob McAdoo needs to figure that out yeah. if Cruz Quick. and Randall are, are, are going to be lost for any lengths of time now or going forward. That's just the way it is. These receivers right now, when you're a quarterback, and correct me if I'm wrong, but this is the way I look at it. It's like a baseball manager with relievers. Uh, you lose the confidence of your quarterback like you lose the confidence of your manager mm-hmm. quick. Quick, He's not going to throw your way. You also need a tight end that's not the Yvonne Nova of football Eesh. either. You so know, I wanted to bring it up with Art, but go, I didn't want to cut him off. You know, he had that one three touchdown game against the Redskins last year. And that put his and name then, on the map and he hadn't done anything since. And that was well, it. Like Art said, he caught the game-winning pass in San Francisco. Yeah. But... Then and it was a hell of a catch. Then on the other hand, he's got a ball taken away from him. D'Amico Ryans is nowhere close to the linebacker he was as a Texan. And especially at the advanced age, and he's been hurt. You know, he got he was hurt for most of last year, tore up his knee. 
he hasn't been exactly 100% this year, and he left the game with a hamstring injury later, later in the game on Monday, just took the ball right out of his hands, like stealing Halloween candy from a baby. Yeah. And then, you know, the pass up the sidelines, the one he dropped, it just not, not a banner night for Larry Donnell. And that's something, and you're right, that's something the Giants are missing, and they haven't really had that. Eli hasn't had that since Martellus Bennett left. Yeah. And, you know, they weren't going to give him the money in free agency, which I get to an extent with the cap, but at the same time, he was a dynamic tight end to open things up for at the, the same time. You also have to look now at you look at the, the guys that have put this team together. And, and we've talked about how I feel about Tom Coughlin and maybe it's time for a new voice in New York and things like that. And, you know, Jerry Reese doesn't get a, doesn't get a pass on this either because he's the guy that's responsible for James Jones catching touchdowns in green Bay. He's to an extent responsible for the Martellus Bennett issue, him and, you know, and Ernie Corsi. So, you know, you don't get a, you don't get a pass there either. We do it as Eagles fans. You know, every time somebody happens, every time Sam Bradford stands there with that blank look on his face, like the kid in, in Bad News Bears, you know, like, duh, that look on his face, it's like, great. Good job giving up a second rounder for this guy, Chip. Glad he didn't sign the extension you offered him before the season because then you really look like an idiot. You have to, you have to, you, you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater, but sometimes you have to look at the bathwater after the baby's out of it. Interesting you know what I mean? way of looking at things. You know what I mean? Yeah. And as I was going to sort of mention last week before we had so many great guests and, and so much time was taken up from our podcast, the Eagles' record this year is going to be exactly proportional to how not good the other team's going to play because the, the, the Philly defense is, is, is great. They've been great this year, even missing their – Missing their linebackers in and out. Kendricks has missed time. Ryan's has missed time. Alonzo, we may never see him again. Who knows? Depending on, on the severity of his knee injury. You know, Byron Maxwell hasn't looked great out there. Nolan Carroll, too. I refuse to call him Nolan Carroll the second. His jersey says Carroll, too. Hasn't looked great. Walter Thurmond has been hit or miss. You, Malcolm, call, him, you call him Walter Thurmond three. Thurmond three, yeah. Uh, you know, Malcolm Jenkins has arguably been the best defensive back in that in that group. See, but ev- all these negatives we're talking about, like you said, they're overcoming them. It doesn't matter. This division stinks. Right. right. And that's that's what I'm saying. The Saints are terrible. January 3rd, these two teams could, could be, be playing, playing for the playoffs. Right. For and, the division crown. And they could theoretically both be 7 and 8, 8 and 7 right. somewhere in that vicinity. But the Saints are terrible on offense. The Giants played terribly on offense this past week. I, I'm not going to say they're terrible on offense because this is the first time they didn't score 20 points in a game in six weeks. But they played terribly on offense. Atlanta did not play terribly on offense in the game the, the Eagles lost where the defense was dominant in the second half but gave up one score. Dallas did not play terribly on offense despite the fact that they lost Tony Romo halfway through the game or were already without Des Bryant. Washington did not play terribly on offense for the one time ever in the game that they won where Kirk Cousins led them on a game-winning drive at the end. This season for them is going to be how many mistakes can Sam Bradford and the offense make and the defense still overcome them because he makes way too many. And they're down in Carolina. And way too they're many. They're playing out of their minds right now, and their defense is great. Is Keikley back? Do you know if he's back? Uh, Keikley will be back this Keekly? week, yes. I, I got Keikle and Ke- Keikle and Keikley. Yeah, how do you say Keikle and not get Keikley? I know. Yeah. Um, ding. <laughs> I'm, I'm a little bit more optimistic on this for one reason, and it's the defense. Carolina's wide receiving core is not even Odell Beckham and a bunch of guys. It's a bunch of guys. I mean, it's Ted Ginn and Jericho Cotchery and Devin Funchess and yeah. you know a bunch of unproven. and, and It's not a who's who of receivers it's, for sure. It's an amalgam of guys you'd expect to find on the waiver wire in Madden if a handful of teams got <laughs> contracted. So... It, you know, I'm not saying that to discount them. I mean, they are undefeated, but let's be fair. It's Ted Ginn Jr. and, uh, you know, not a whole lot else. So the weakness of the Eagles' defense is their cover corners at times. Like I said, Maxwell has not been great. You know, Carroll's not been great. Biggers is getting a lot of playing time, and he's been okay. Rowe, same thing. But if the front seven can contain Cam Newton and Jonathan Stewart, and Cam Newton being the first true dual threat they're seeing – at quarterback after weeks of Matt Ryan, Brandon Whedon, Eli. <laughs> Eli Manning, you know, Kirk Cousins. 
and Drew Brees, um, you know, if they can contain them and the front seven can keep them in the middle, Greg Olson could have a big game because they struggle with good tight ends, especially if Kendricks yeah. is out again. The Eagles are winning despite Sam Bradford. But I'll uh, right now. I'll stay I'll stay optimistic, and then they go into the bye and have two weeks to prep for Dallas. So, you know, yeah, there's that. Well. I, I tend to agree with Art too that if the then, they, then they have the Bucks, Dolphins, and Lions yeah. three weeks after that. So. If, if the Giants can beat the Cowboys somehow, and I, I he he brought up that the Cowboys are going to dominate at the point of attack, but he said the Giants would win. I, I want to agree with him, but I can't, and here's why: because the Eagles kicked the you know what kicked the snot out of the Giants at the point of attack. They won the offensive and defensive lines in that game. And if the Cowboys can do that, and, you know, Christine Michael and Julius Randle and Darren McFadden. Here's the thing. Again. DeMarco Murray rushed for 130 yards in his first five games. Is that not a group of players you'd expect to find on the waiver wire in Madden? Yes. Yeah. Over his first five games, he rushed for 130 total yards. Against the Giants, he had 106. 106. Well, they finally figured out how to best utilize him. And it was the... Going in, it was the fifth best defense against the run. Again, the Obi-Wan Kenobi of defensive coordinators, you know, making people look one way and not the other. Spagnuolo doing that tremendous job. But if they could somehow, some way, make my Facebook timeline ghost every Cowboy fan on there, I would be deeply appreciative. Well, appreciative. John Gruden, in between praising everybody and talking about Spider-2Y bananas, uh, actually said something that makes a lot of sense that Eagles fans never considered. DeMarco Murray is not a shotgun runner and hasn't been since college. So he had to learn not only a new offense, but an entire new system of how to do my job. He's not used to, you know, having get the ball handed to him right in his gut and then having to take off with the ball. He's used to head of steam, eye back, hit the hole kind of the, the way they run the system in Dallas. So it took him a while to get going. Ryan Matthews, you know, Philip Rivers uses a little bit more of the shotgun in San Diego. So Ryan Matthews had a little better handle on that aspect of it. And, you know, maybe that works. And Darren Sproles has been there for a couple of years. So Remember back in the that. day you just had a starting running back and it wasn't a running back by committee? Every team had a starting running back. Running backs are too fragile to do that in the NFL these days, though. Seriously, honest, honestly. I just missed the good old days. Honestly, I will count DeMarco Murray in this because DeMarco Murray should be. And by the way, did you see Cam Hayward got fined again? I did, but and, he's, and he got fined into never doing it again. Yeah, I just, don't even, just throwing that. I out don't there. even want to talk about just it. Just throwing that out there. I don't even want to talk about it. Uh, name six bell cow backs in the NFL that are worthy of that every down back role. I guarantee you, once you get to four, you're going to start scratching your head. Yeah, Arian Foster, absolutely. Adrian Peterson, absolutely. Jamal Charles, absolutely. Matt Forte, absolutely. DeMarco Murray probably should be. Carlos Hyde, kind of unproven. Marshawn, Marshawn Lynch being the fifth. Yeah. Carlos Hyde, kind of unproven. You know, St. Louis is Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley's a rookie. Frank like, Gore. I mean, who knows? Frank Gore in Indianapolis. What is he doing? Does, I don't even, I can't even name Jacksonville's running backs. <laughs> uh, Outside of no, T.J. Yeldon, I think, is their starter. You know, Cleveland, Cleveland runs with their committee. Jeremy Hill could have been, but he's got some fumble issues, and now him and Bernard are kind of back in a timeshare. You know, Denver, Denver, it's pretty much a different guy every year. I know you don't want to talk about it, but could I just say one thing since the Cowboys are playing the Giants this week? The NFL will find one of its players – for honoring their father who died of cancer with eye black and the name Ironhead on it. Nothing disparaging, nothing that could cause issues with anyone. It was his father's nickname, who happened to play in the NFL, by the way. And yet, a guy who, air quotes, allegedly um, threw his ex-girlfriend onto a bunch of guns and beat her up will be chasing Eli Manning this week. But that's okay. That's fine. 
That's absolutely fine. And he'll be wearing fine. pink to support breast cancer. And he'll be wearing pink it. to support breast cancer while doing it. That is the biggest sham on the planet Earth. I'm sorry, but it is. Cam Hayward gets fined into taking that eye black off, honoring his father from dying of cancer. And NFL fans, when the Giants and Cowboys play, will watch a fraud in Greg Hardy wear pink for breast cancer awareness while playing against the Giants on Sunday. Well, maybe they can, maybe if the Steelers give up on him, they could sign Michael Vick to back up Matt Castle so you have a dog killer out there. And then Dante Stallworth's available. He's killed a guy. So you got that going for you. There's a lot of guys that have done. You see my point. There's a lot of guys that have done some shady, crappy, or quite frankly, felonious things in the NFL. Uh, and who? Jonathan Stewart. It was his his mom. Or no, no, no I'm, I'm sorry, D'Angelo Williams. D'Angelo Williams. Jonathan Stewart. With the, yeah, with the pink uh, yeah, yeah, pink yeah, wristbands. Yeah. yeah. He he wanted to honor his mother the whole season. No, he can't. He's gonna get. Fun. Maybe the NFL just has something against the Steelers. But but Greg Hardy. He can play. But Ben Roethlisberger will be handing the was was handing the ball off to D'Angelo Williams. I, it's a it's a giant double standard. There's there's nothing you can do except get upset about it. Which so is I why I'm not, not I'm not screaming. Yeah. There's no need. I'm just gonna waste my vocal cords. I still have to Supreme t- Lord Commander Goodell will. Yeah, will, I, st- I still have to tape my yeah. uh, K highlights. So I gotta gotta have some honey, mm-hmm. some wine, not wine, tea. Oof, Freudian slip. Can't wait to see how that Bills Jaguars game does on the Yahoo live stream this week. I'll be sleeping. Can't in. wait to see how many Jags fans are getting up at nine thirty in the morning to watch that. I'll, I'll be sleeping in on Sunday morning. Yeah, I don't even think it's on TV. I think it's literally only on Yahoo. I don't think CBS is televising it. Outside of the Bills and Jet, you know, outside rather of, watch a high lie slash cricket hybrid game. Outside of the twenty seven people in the Greater Buffalo and Jacksonville areas that will be able to see the game, yeah. kind of. Well, we're about we're about ready to wrap this up, but you have a. Uh, you have something you want to share? Oh, with I do the, have a plug. Yeah, with the nice people out there in Chris Sheeran Show Radio it's Land. Pronounced plug. Plug. Uh, I received a, a package in the mail. Um, thankfully, it wasn't anything negative. Uh, I was a little scared there. I'm like, who's sending me mail? Um, at work. At work. <laughs> to the to the New York address, no less. Yeah. So it came from gets our, forwarded. Our yeah. What it is is um, one of the. One of the freelance photographers who covers the Trenton Thunder State and Rabin, uh, quote unquote, co wrote a book. I say quote unquote, co wrote because the title of the book is Derby My Bodacious Life in Baseball by H.R. Derby. Those of you who are fans of the program might know that I am speaking of the bat dog of the Trenton Thunder, Derby, our good friend, uh, our, our pals down in Trenton. Uh, so she co wrote. And photogra- took the photographs for a book that's written from Derby's perspective about life as a minor league baseball bat dog and, and you know, that all, it, all it, of the top prospects that the, the, the Thunder have had over the last Did he years. write that personal letter to you or was that? No, she did. Oh, Der- she did. Derby, okay. Derby didn't. Okay. There's a, if there was a paw print on there, it would right. be cool. But no. Uh, anyway, to be serious, though, uh, so th- this book is coming out on October 27th, Game 1 of the World Series. It's available for pre-order on Amazon. Uh, Derby, My Bodacious Life in Baseball by H.R. Derby, official bat dog of the Trenton Thunder, the double-A affiliate team of the New York Yankees. That is the full name of the book. The website is www.baseballtale, T-A-L-E, like story, gotcha. .com. Uh, and, and so she sent me a note that said, you know, um, the book's coming out, would uh, you know, which is available for pre-order on Amazon. Like I said, if you'd spread the word, that'd be great. So... I am. We're spreading the word. I am spreading the word for her and for our good friends down in Trenton, because I'm sure that's a cool thing for them as well, and, and Derby. Uh, and I got a little press kit about it, um, you know, with pictures of Derby, and there's a picture of Derby with Greg Bird in there, and, and all of the Yankees' top prospects have come through Trenton in the last few years, the Birds, the Judges, the Severinos, you know, the Ref Snyders, all these guys. So Beautiful ballpark, by the way, if you're ever down there, yeah. and also um, very affordable for the family. Yes. Uh, and they have coupons where you get free hot dogs and stuff. You just got to find your way through the internet to find that stuff. But if you want to have a nice night of watching some minor league baseball with great seats anywhere you sit mm-hmm. in that ballpark, great seats at an affordable price, you got you to gotta yeah. check out the and, and you get to see upcoming Yankee stars. I think a couple. I forget if it was last year or the year before, but the wife and I went to a game. It was superhero night, so they all wore superhero jerseys. Brendan Ryan was rehabbing with the team at the time, actually. 
it was like 12 bucks, and I was two rows behind the plate. Yeah. Behind the plate. Yes. Not even in the second. Behind That's the what plate. I mean. So, it's pretty good. But anyway, go check out that website, baseballtail.com or on Amazon. Remember, uh, T A L E. Right. You can check out Amazon to pre order the book, Derby My Bodacious Life in Baseball by H.R. Derby. Uh, she's sending me a copy. Um, so, I'll check it out this weekend and get back to you on that one All next right. week and, and let you know you how cool t- it is. Yeah, you could tell our listeners mm-hmm. uh, to go out there and get it because you will have read it. Yeah. And then you will let me borrow it. So if you're into the if you're into the dogs, into baseball, into both, give it a look. See what you like. There you go. There you go. Well. And we must say, the World Series, game one, who you got? Royals? Is it going to be the Royals or the Blue Jays? Well, David Price hasn't let me down in the postseason yet. And since he's throwing in game six, it's going to be Kansas City and New York. I just want to say this. Uh, This is is what I find great. Everybody, yesterday was back to the future day. Yes. Where everybody was, you know, all back to the future out. I was into it. I just find it hilarious if the Royals win this series, that the two teams playing in the World Series in 2015, it may not be the Cubs, as Biff's almanac predicted. But the two teams playing in the World Series are the teams that won the World Series in 1985 and 1986. Yes, it is. And, you know, the Almanac didn't predict that. The Almanac, well, no, the Almanac only went up to 2000. Right. But the, the, it's the newspaper that said Cubs sweep in five. Right. Um, right. But, yeah. And you're right. It's the team that won in 85, 85 and 86. And 86. The only way. And the Royals' second straight year if they get there. The only way it could have gotten better, I think, is what year did that come out? 1989? Back to the Future 2 came out? Yes, you're correct. So if, if it was Oakland in the Mets. Yes. Or, you know, I mean, that'd be, cause in 89, 86, the, you can't have an Oakland Royals series. But even if they played in the ALCS, I guess, it's and, the 85 and, and 89 hey, teams. You know, the Mets went through the Dodgers in the first round. Maybe they exercised those 88 demons there. Maybe. Hey, listen, on a serious, and on a, and, on a serious note, I, I have a – well, it's not serious. It's just I want to say it. I have a lot of friends that are Met fans. They've been suffering for a very long yeah. time. I am happy not only for Terry Collins and David Wright and guys that have been struggling so long to get back there. And Daniel Murphy, who's earning himself more money with every swing he takes. He's unbelievable right now. Just unbe- It's Murph-tober. Do you remember the Jeopardy SNL? Feb-tober. Feb-tober. Murph-tober. I put that out there. I said just, name a month. Just yesterday in, in his last at bat, his last chance, because they were already winning that game. And he hit one. Set, set the record for yeah. most consecutive postseason games of the home Six straight and his seventh of the postseason. He had 14 in the regular season. And he has half. He has seven of them in ten games. It's unbelievable. Nine games. It's unbelievable. You just catch fire and then away you go. And Murphy is leading the Mets to the promised land, it seems. And I just want to... Say I'm happy for all of my friends that happen to be Met fans. You know, there's an argument that's made a lot between Red Sox and Yankees fans that the Yankees fans say, oh, 27 rings, and the Red Sox are like, oh, three in 10 years, and you go back and forth, and you realize that a lot of the Yankees' accomplishments and the Cardinals' accomplishments and all that, you know, the Rangers' Stanley Cups or the Canadian Stanley Cups happened when there were six, eight, ten teams in baseball. If you look since 1969, the Yankees have won seven World Series. The Mets haven't even be- – this is the Mets' fifth time there. Yeah. Let alone seventh win. Mm-hmm. So, you know, m- the majority of my friends who are Mets fans were, you know, four, five, six, seven, eight years old in 1986. And, you know, the Subway Series takes away a little bit because, you know, the Yankees Mets rivalry sort of overshadows we made it to the World Series. Well, that, so, that, yeah, that, but that's the one you know? thing. Like, the Yankees won that in five. But I can guarantee you one thing. It, it, I know the Yankees have 27 of them. If they didn't win that one, they'd have 26. To the Mets, three. Three, 69, 86, and then 2,000 if they were to win that one. But it wouldn't matter. The Yankees could win 100. If they faced the Mets and just won and the Mets beat them, you couldn't say a word to Mets fans. But Yankee fans, that win... Eh, we beat the Mets. <laughs> you know, yeah, you, you can you know get what a I little. Mean? But that's <clears throat> our good friend Larry Fleischer. I, I forget if he tweeted this or put it on Facebook, but uh, in his lifetime, teams that he he covers, you know, any sport in the New York area for his job, they've won eighteen championships in his. Larry's my age. They've won eighteen championships in his lifetime. How do you think Cleveland feels? Yeah, yeah, or San Diego. I say it all the time. You know, what about the Cubs? <clears throat> 
108 years. Yes. You know what, though? At least if you're a Cubs fan, you've got three three Blackhawks Cups, like the, the, the Giants run, and you've I, got six I titles for it. the Bulls, and I, the Bears won the Super Bowl. I like, get it, but it's still, you're, you know, if you're just a baseball yeah. fan, it's tough. But Mostly because you know a, a lot of Mets fans are also Jets, Islanders kind of fans. It's a Long Island Cubs, thing, and it's been a long time for any of them. The Cubs are set up to be very successful yeah. in the future, but I'm telling you right now, the Mets could be their kryptonite. If the Mets keep this rotation together, they're going to be everybody's kryptonite. It tells you a lot about playoff things, too, that Kyle Schwarber is the Cubs franchise leader in a single home runs in a single postseason. Schwarbaum. And they, he did it in so the wild card game, four games against the, the Cardinals, Cardinals, and he had done it by the end of game two. So that's seven games. Yeah. And he was the, the all-time single season leader in postseason yeah, home runs. And he's a rook, so that should tell you something. Yeah. Exactly. That should tell you how much the poor Cubs fans have suffered. So, anyway, I got to wrap this up because I got to go do my Michael K highlights. And I think we've reached the magic hour. I think we have. So, uh, for Lou DiPietro, yes, on the Twitter. Next week, we should plug the Nets opener is next Wednesday. Yes. So, we'll hopefully be talking to our good friend Devin next week about that, and we'll get you into basketball mode. Yes. So, just a little plug for next week. Devin Carperdian from thebrooklyngame.com. Something to look forward to. Mm hmm have fun with him like we had fun with art stapleton today another thank you for him art stapleton of the record covering the giants and coming on and giving us some time it was great uh we want to thank him i want to thank lou and uh, i don't want to thank myself but we'll see you next time here on the chris sheeran show everybody adios